live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, it's Joe Suchere and Patrick Royce with Sports Talk. Patrick's off this week. Myron Metcalf is going to be taking you home on your uh, on your daily ride. And you said you were listening on the way in, Myron. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was an interesting combo. He's already on his social media. No, He's playing no, the part I'm trying, of Patrick. You know what I'm trying to do? Is, <laughs> no, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm always <laughs> afraid I have an alarm or something that I forgot oh, to turn yeah, off. Yeah. Sure. Yep. yep. Like, you know what I mean? That's I'm, good. You're I'm being responsible. That, I don't want to be that guy who yeah. all of a sudden some alarm. I thought you were just duplicating what Patrick would no, have done. No, no, no. I was trying to make sure that I didn't have some alarm. I have that. a tweet that yeah. he yes. sent out. Uh, no, I heard you talking about Reverend Flieger. Mm-hmm. Um, who I've met and had a chance to spend some time with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a story. Michael Flager, Flieger, Flieger from Flieger. Uh, Chicago. Yeah. I did a series for ESPN uh, four years ago on playground basketball. So I toured the country and went to L.A. Right. and some of the toughest parts of L.A. and Chicago and Louisville and New York and all these places. And Chicago was obviously one of the stops. So I went to his church. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard him talk. Before I met him, I mm-hmm. thought it was a black dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he, like I didn't. I was surprised when he walks in the room, and it's it is a white guy. Rook, yeah. Uh, bring up a video of Michael Flieger, P F L E G E R, because I want to hear. I want to. I want to corroborate what uh, what Myron just told me. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So he comes in the room, and and let me tell you, he's the king of the South Side of Chicago. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy has a certain status. Um, and I heard you saying, you know, the shutting down the highway. What attention does that bring? I, I think the challenge is. The things he does on the other side probably don't get enough attention. Mm-hmm. And that's with a lot of community activists. Mm-hmm. When things happen in the community, there are a lot of people working hard, and not just Chicago, to try to prevent some of these things, to try to help some of these kids. But you don't hear about that. You just hear about the shootings, mm-hmm. right? Whereas mm-hmm. on the other side, if someone shuts down the highway uh, in response to you know protesting police shooting killings, that obviously becomes a big news story. But I can tell you that Reverend Flieger organizes a tournament with the toughest gangs in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he gets them to basically form their own teams in this big tournament. He brings them all to a gym. Uh, he's had Jaquim Noah and Derrick Rose and other these NBA guys who've helped sponsor this. And they come and play in this basketball tournament, and there's no drama. There's no violence. Uh, and he gets these guys to sit down and play ball. And he's done things like that throughout that community. Well, then what the hell happens when they're not at the tournament? Well, I, he gets I, them to put their guns down for a what? Five days? Well, here's the thing. I don't. There are so many layers when you're talking about violence, right? And I heard you say something that kind of bothered me when you said feral youth. I, I think that almost makes them sound like animals or something like that. And I think these people, there are members of this community, obviously are doing things wrong and they should pay for that. Right. But the entire community, there are a lot of people in these communities who are trying to do the right thing and and change some of this stuff. But I also think it's unfair that when we talk about violence and we talk about gun violence in black communities, we don't have the same response when a white kid shoots up the school. I mean, you're right. You can be a young black youth in Chicago and you can be vulnerable and you can get shot and these things can happen to you. You can also be a, a white kid at a rich school in the suburbs and, and be in class with, with a disgruntled youth who has access to an AK-47. You can get shot, too. I but we don't, we don't have more. the same conversations no, no, about no, those no, kids. Yes, the conversation would be the same. In both cases, you'd have a complete breakdown in moral and ethical clarity. I don't care what color the kid is. Yeah, but I'm suggesting that the conversations are usually different because I think too often when something happens in that situation, like a school shooting and it's a white kid, that's an isolated incident too often. And people look at that as, okay, that is a situation involving this individual, perhaps his family, whatever, you know, he may have access to, as opposed to 
You look at Chicago and people just go, oh, Chicago. Okay. That's the whole, that's okay. the whole place. Well, take it a step further. Yeah. Black kids never shoot up schools, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, I mean, there have there to my knowledge, I <laughs> they have shoot not, each other. To to my knowledge, there have not been uh, any school major major school shootings where an African American no. was the offender. No, but I also think it's unfair to categorize uh, uh, certain things like that and suggest that they shoot each other because that white kid who's shooting up a school, he's shooting. They're shooting each other too. He's shooting his classmates and people look like him yeah. as well. All I'm saying is. Uh, when you talk about gun violence, especially in impoverished communities, there are layers to that. Yep. And do I think it's okay to say that everything's systemic and that's why all these kids are shooting each other? That'd be unfair to the kids who aren't shooting each other, right. who aren't doing the wrong thing. Right. So, no, you can't say that. But I think it's also unfair to completely dismiss some of those challenges. So Aren't I, you on with us more often? Well, I wish I was. So you remember you remember the movie you remember the movie uh the documentary Hoop Dreams. Yes. Remember Hoop Dreams? Yep. Yeah, I know who did it. 20 23 years ago, I think. I think it was 95. I know 94. Who was responsible for? Who it. did the movie? Yeah. So I went down 4 years ago with Arthur Ag, who's one of the kids yep. in Hoop Dreams. Yep. Uh and this was a part of the project and I said, "Arthur, just take me through your city, man. Take me through the places where the Films were shot. Yep. Take me to the neighborhoods, the playgrounds, the communities. Let's just hang out. I hung out with Arthur Agee all day. And he went to all the different parks mm-hmm. where he said when he was a kid, there would be people on rooftops mm-hmm. of these schools. They'd climb up on the top of these school buildings just to see the game below. Mm-hmm. He said, when I played ball, crime stopped. Everything changed because people were so interested in what was happening. And he said there was a sense where the basketball court was a safe zone. Mm-hmm. You're going to do drama, you're going to do shootings, violence, whatever. You don't do it on the basketball court. Hmm. So he took me to some of these same courts, and suits, they're empty. We're okay. going to these same courts that he was playing on 15, 20 years ago, empty. Hey, take me to another one. Empty. Take Why? me to another one. Why? People are afraid. Oh, People are afraid. I mean, because the, because the violence had reached that level. Oh, but doesn't that code still exist, that the, that court should be violence-free? No, he said that's gone. And he said that's one of the biggest things that's changed, is he said... There were there were places where you just didn't do certain things, mm-hmm. and he said that's changed, you know. And, and we even went to a to a place where um, there was there was some guys kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their intentions were, but Arthur kind of talked to talked to him, and you know, he said, "Hey, I had to let these guys know that you were cool and you were with us," mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I've experienced things like that, even being an African American male. But I do think that too often. We put all these kids in a certain category, and I think the vast majority of these kids intend to do well, and they'd even do much better if there were resources that were devoted to some of these communities. That's what shutting down the highway is all about, and you alluded to this. I think it's about how do we get the decision makers to invest resources in some of these communities Mm -hmm. so that some of these kids, the kids who want to do right and will do right and are doing right, will go to that rec center, will go to that summer job, will go to that school program. Uh, if there are resources that are around them that they can have access to. Do you have Flieger? Rook? Uh, I'm having trouble. I've got him post-protest. Yeah. Uh, and where he's just talking to you. Somebody's asking him questions about uh, the violence in Chicago. I think Superintendent of Police walked with Reverend Jackson and myself. He wanted to walk with us. We asked him to walk with us because he negotiated. He negotiated this today to have happen. And we were grateful for him to step up because the state police and the governor were trying to shut us down. They lied on us this morning and said that we made an agreement. There was no agreement. They come out today and said, no, you had an agreement. I said, no, I did not make it. I can see where you. Oh, I thought, oh, I, when, 
I was surprised. Maybe he was surprised too. I was surprised. Um, but I was more surprised by the weight he carried in that community mm-hmm. and the way that people viewed him. And I can tell you, going to his church, there were dozens and dozens of people coming in and out, getting access to resources, programs through that church, things that they're doing that you don't see on the news. You just see the protests. But he, he's been one of the more active uh, folks there. But Dwayne Wade can't stop. I mean, some of the people who you would think have the biggest voices are not going to stop some of these kids who have decided that this is how they're going to handle situations with violence. And that's unfortunate. At the same time, it's so much bigger than Chicago and just the inner city. It, it, it's a problem that is much broader than that. And I think too often it's not viewed that way. Are kids in uh, on the west and south side of Chicago, are, are there baseball leagues for them? Sure, uh, sure. I mean, you had the, the team in Little League a couple years ago that, that's right. that did pretty well. So there, there are... There's obviously still great athletes coming out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Another guy I talked to, Jabari Parker, mm-hmm. um, his dad runs a league, uh, Sonny Parker, who was actually a pretty good player himself in Chicago. And there are a lot of kids who will come to his spot on the south side playing ball. So there are still places where sports is a big draw. Mm-hmm. There just aren't as many places where everyone gets together and it's sort of like, hey, whatever's happening today, we're going to shut down and play ball. I went to L.A. It was the same thing. I went to Inglewood. I went to Compton. It was the same thing. Where are all the kids? They're not outside. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not coming out to places that used to be places where you said, "Hey, this is a safe zone." Reverend Flieger's son, adopted son, was killed. Right. You know, and right. he was officiating, I believe, a funeral at the time. Mm-hmm. When he gets a, a call saying, "Hey, your son just got shot two blocks away." Mm-hmm. Um, so, how, how do you stop gun violence in some of these impoverished communities? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think there will ever be an answer to that. But I do think there are individuals who are trying to find ways to get more resources into these communities uh, that can help some of these kids realize that there is a future beyond what they're seeing in front of their eyes today. So how about those twins? How about them? <laughs> how about them? <laughs> how about them? J.K., You can only man. fix one problem at a time, right? <laughs> He's not Superman. He's just <laughs> hey, J.K. looked great, right? Yeah. Uh, Grand Slam. Yeah. Uh, just a minute. We'll, we'll be we'll back. do sports when we come back. Yeah. I ran on the uh, the activities the twins took last week. Are you uh, are you on board with those? I don't. I guess I'm still a bit confused mm-hmm. and still trying to figure out what the ultimate goal is. Um, I mean, they got. A 25-year-old and Jake Cave hitting that grand slam, showing a lot of promise. Can you believe anything that we've seen from Sano in the last six or seven games? And then to me, the huge X factor for this team, regardless of the moves that have been made, it's will Byron Buxton ever become anything near what he's supposed to become? Like to me, that's still the the question, you know, the biggest question in all this. Mm-hmm. Because if if that happens, um, you're talking about a team who has somebody that they can build around for years to come. But yeah, this, I, I don't know. I'm not enough of a talent scout to know what's wrong. Well, it's like, and and I feel like I always say this whenever I fill in for Royce, but how long do you wait on him? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the what's the waiting game on Byron Buxton? Because you hear people around here say they're willing to wait two, three, four more years and just hope he figures it out. I haven't seen any evidence suits that he's going to figure it out. Will he be brought up this year? 
Reavers, is Boxley going to be brought up this uh, year? The rumor is that he's going to be out for the remainder of the season with injury. I don't really? know if that has been updated since uh, we we heard that. I think that was towards the middle of last week. But it's it has been a completely lost season for for Byron. Mm-hmm. Are you impressed? I mean, are you? How well, many years do you wait? The the thing is. Pat and I got into this argument because he completely destroyed the team, and my response to him was, well, what do you want them to do? Because they weren't catching Cleveland this year. You weren't going to no. make the postseason. The likelihood of, that you were going to make the postseason was very minimal. I personally didn't have a problem because that's the way you build a championship-caliber team is you have to have depth in your minor league organization. And they they had a few top prospects, but they don't have the depth that you need in order to sustain a really good championship level team and that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in making a one game playoff and then, you know, finishing Get beat sec- by the Yankees on a foul ball well, by Mauer. Well, that's Wait, just no. it. I mean, in order to compete with the big boys, the Houstons, you have to make some pretty significant wholesale changes and I get the fans that are frustrated. I I understand completely because They've been dealing with this since 2011, but at the same time, this is a new regime. you you got to give them the chance to be able to properly build this thing the right way. But that also shows, though, and I I'm, don't pretend to know baseball, how hard it is to continually be mm-hmm. a really good baseball team oh, and make very it every difficult. year. More difficult than any other sport. I, I There's think too many variables, baseball. yeah. More difficult than any sport. Far more difficult than football. Where if you got a franchise quarterback, you probably got about a, a seven eight year window to be fairly good. Mm-hmm. Basketball, if if you got a Carl Towns and you keep him, you're going to be okay mm-hmm. for seven eight seasons. Uh, um, the most telling thing though with the Twins, Myron, was that weekend in Wrigley, yeah. where you saw just how far away this team was from the elite teams in in major. But League I can baseball. see that in other sports. You can see it in the wild compared sure. to the Washington yep. Senators. Yep. Yeah, but the wild to me still feel like a, a couple of moves, you know, people staying healthy, they're in that mix. Mm-hmm. Whereas to me, the twins feel like a couple of moves, you know, a Buxton getting healthy and we're still not exactly sure what we're gonna get. Like mm-hmm. I don't know why people handle Byron Buxton with these kid gloves around here. Like I, I've never understood that. To me, if you want to talk about the problems that the twins have had, and I get the injuries. Like, don't get me wrong, you can't you're injured, you're injured. But that's a guy who to me has been a bust to this point, considering who he was supposed to be, considering the flashes of greatness. I'm in the bust category for Byron Buxton at this point. In his career. Could that change as quickly as next year? Sure. But right now, that's your biggest problem is that that guy isn't playing in the majors and he isn't healthy and that's something he can't control. But when he is healthy, he can't hit the ball. Mm-hmm. He can't hit big league pitching. I think mm-hmm. a lot of it, though, is perception. You know, with Buxton, we have this perception that he works hard. You know, when he's on the field, when he's yeah. playing center field, he plays with this reckless abandon where he's going after. And, and fans like that style. They like the fact that this guy seems to care more than a guy like Sano. So I think that's part of what you're saying is that his perception with the fans is that he's trying hard, he just keeps getting hurt. Yeah, but I think that's where people miss the problems he's had at the plate. And they overlook those. And Byron Buston gets a, you know what, just give him time. Sano gets a, I'm done with this guy. Mm -hmm. I I have no patience with Mm -hmm. him. And I think that's the difference. Did you spend any time at the golf tournament? Uh, I have not. Okay. I just I was just noting here in the Tribune, uh, do you know what Kenny Perry made during his PGA career? Wow. Uh, 
26 on the all-time list. That's how consistent Kenny Perry is. And now as a senior, he's won this event three times. Right. Wow. 32 32 mil. mil? That's 26th. Wow. On the list. Yeah, he's the most bummed out that that's not coming back next year. He is coming back. He's going to come back and play in the PGA event at oh, the yeah. age of 57 or 58. Yeah. Okay. That's the best sport to be decent at, right? If you're going to be decent at any sport, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can do it the longest. Yep. You can be a golfer long until your 50s, 60s on the senior tour. To do that consistently, that's the sport. But I think it's a great life for about 200 people in the world. True. You're right. You know, True. Other than that, you know, you're a 28 handicapper just uh, begging for mercy. But, but if you're going to be in the middle of the pack, I'd rather be the middle of the pack as a golfer oh, yeah. than any other sport in the world. Yeah, plus you're not putting your physical health at risk. Even no. the back of the pack is paying well, pretty that's what well. I mean. But yeah. Kenny, I said it's a great, it's a great yeah. life for about 200 people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And the top 50 of them, they're, that's such a good life. They're their own plane guys. They yeah. got their own airplanes. Yeah. You know. or, or yachts like Tiger Woods. Yeah. What, he pull up to the U.S. Open in a yacht or something like that? Yeah, and he parked <laughs> it right at the in the hampers. <laughs> right. Had to hop in the little the rowing, the dinghy to get to shore. Uh, uh, apparently, it's like $50,000 a day or something to dock that thing and, to t- and the crew and all that. How much, yeah. you know, Kenny Perry's 57. Uh, he was playing and winning. When the purses weren't that big, yeah, I got to review his career for him to have made thirty-two million. But that's got to be a lot of. The- I got to find out. Hey, Reavers, Reavers, yes, sir. Look up how many PGA Tour wins did Kenny Perry have? Yeah, that's got to be the last fifteen years or so, right? Twenty years or so with all the TV money that's yeah. hit golf. Maybe. Well, it's- what's great is when you turn fifty, you get that Champions Tour, and you're fresh. Oh, you're so you're you're golden. Even you don't have to have to win. Yeah. PGA Tour wins fourteen. Okay. Uh, it says PGA Tour champions. 10, I don't think he other. ever won a major. No, nope. oh. his highest finish it's was a great he, life. He finished second at the Masters in two thousand and nine. He finished third at the U.S. Open in 03, uh, eighth at the Open Championship in 03, and at the PGA Championship he finished second in nineteen ninety six. Well, go Kenny! Hell of a Hell of a career. Say, we'll be back shortly, but now thanks to our great friends in Owatonna, Minnesota, at Federated Insurance, where it's their business to protect your business, and nobody does that better than Federated. It's Bruce Vale from the Wall Street Journal and Your Money Now. Now, I was very saddened last weekend when my all-time favorite golfer passed away, Bruce Litsky. Oh, there's a, uh, I was just linked to a great story about him. I he, think it's on an ESPN site. He, he was like my idol. The The man hated practice. He only played when he really needed some money. He'd rather spend the time with his family. And he still went out and won 13 titles. Right. With amazing. a fade. Well, Not that, a draw. He played a fade. Yeah, yeah. Career. That's very rare as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, small gains to start the week on Wall Street today. We had another decent round of corporate earnings reports. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 39 points at the close at 25,502. The NASDAQ Composite rose 47. The S&P 500 gained 10 points. MoviePass is making another major change. The subscription movie service, which costs 10 bucks a month, soon will be limiting customers to just three movies a month, down from the current allowance of one a day. 
Facebook and YouTube have joined Apple in removing content from conspiracy theorist Alex Jones and his InfoWars website on their platforms. Facebook said that content violated its policy banning violent content and hate speech. Jones's YouTube page had more than 2 million followers. It disappeared this morning with a message saying that it had been terminated for violating YouTube's community guidelines. Over the weekend, Apple removed Alex Jones' podcasts, which it deemed to be in violation of the company's hate speech policies. I'm Bruce Vail with your money now on 1500 ESPN. Okay, then, uh, if you say so, we'll talk again tomorrow, at least a couple of times, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, your traffic here sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Just one thing to mention it's a ramp wreck on the right shoulder, northbound 35W, the exit to westbound. Anyway, do they know we're on? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. They're just having a what is this uh, with the rest of us? What Come is on. this kissing, love making? We're song? talking about Womack. Uh, Womack. Oh, why are you talking about us or the song? <laughs> you two, <laughs> just keep it to holding hands in there. Fellas. We were talking about Randy Moss's Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. I did not uh, see it. It was good. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, a little, a little. Uh, Preacher than I would have imagined, a touch, but overall, and we were talking about this uh, off air. I was talking to Manny about this. He pulled the anti TO, right? In terms yeah. of playing the game. Like Randy knew later in his career, and, he, and TV helped him a lot, I think, in, in saying, hey, remember all that stuff you saw early in my career? Forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a different guy, uh, as you said, suits more vulnerable, mm-hmm. whereas TO played the. Forget everybody. I don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. I'm good enough to be in, mm-hmm. uh, and you better put me in. But please, and, please, Myron, tell me that Randy Moss referred to Randy Moss as Randy Moss. He, I don't think he did, yeah. but he did refer oh. to Rand, West Virginia, about 18 times and how much he loved it there. The one thing that got me, though, and I don't know if you, you saw this, Reavers, was he, he said, um, you know, there were so many people who wanted me to fail. And, and maybe he experienced that in, in Rand, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But he didn't experience that here. No. Did he talk yeah, about his mother at all? Oh, I yeah. Guess, oh, yeah. Um, Mom was there. Yeah. Dude he knows about best. Him. Well, so here's Ricky. I guess Mom do knows best. <laughs> <laughs> because she. So she chose it baseball for me. But anytime the press said anything about it, about him, he took great offense to it. He I mean, even it was just guys, you know, doing their job and covering him. Yeah. I, I wonder what he would have been. In the social media era, you know, if he would have really come up in that time. But he he did talk a lot about, you know, people doubting him. But again, maybe he experienced that coming up. Maybe he's talking to the media, but it's not the fan. I mean, it wasn't the fans. I mean, they they were as forgiving as any fan base. You know, he got all the support whenever he did something where the rest of the country said, oh, my goodness, you see what Randy did? Fans here were like, hey, leave him alone. That's our guy. It's working. Right. It's working. <laughs> leave him alone. That's our guy. So, you know, but he was. He did diss my Tanucci catering. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. That part, yeah. I don't know if I can forgive that. I think that oh, yeah. bad press, though, was actually good press for Gus. Oh, Tanucci's loved it. I they, think he yeah, did. it was okay. I think he oh, did helped. okay. They were, they were happy to have <laughs> yeah, it. That was a here, lot uh, of free Here's publicity. our man in the newsroom, John Hyde. Oh, is Thanks, this the news sir. segment? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Thanks, Joe. Well, John. the Randy Moss stuff was part of the news. Yep. Well, I did notice walking through my living room last night that Tara Lowen was on Million Dollar Pyramid last evening, so he's been very busy this weekend. 
million dollar pyramid. Oh, wow. Is that what it's called? About? What the hell is that? Is that on Discovery? Yeah, yeah, no, the, old, the old Dick Clark that? show that Michael yeah, Strahan now Michael Strahan now hosts it. Who does it Michael Strahan hosts? I know. He's making some big time cash. Twins in Cleveland to play the Indians tonight. Kyle Gibson goes for the Twins. Trevor Bauer for Cleveland. Uh, the Twins have put Robbie Grossman on the 10-day disabled list with a right hamstring strain. Taking a spot, outfielder Johnny Field being recalled from Rochester. Johnny was just claimed off waivers by the Twins from Tampa Bay last week. News notes from today. A Blue Earth County man told police he shot his neighbor's dog because it was urinating on his property, according oh, to the complaint. Oh, what the hell? Why not? It's a serious crime. Yeah. The complaint filed last wow. week charges 63-year-old Brian Joel Johnson with one count of cruelty to animals. On June 3rd, the complaint says a citizen told a Tri-City Police Department officer about a dog in the road that looked sick. The officer found the dog at South Ewing Street and Willard Street in Good Thunder. The officer knew the owners and notified them. Initially, they thought the dog had been poisoned, but when the dog died two days later, an autopsy revealed a 77 caliber pellet in the animal's abdomen. Mm -hmm. About a week later, police were notified. A woman told the owner she knew who shot the dog, and that tip led police to Johnson. After another week, police spoke with him. He admitted to shooting the dog, said he was sick of the dog, always coming into his yard and urinating on his trees. Johnson also told police he was afraid of the dog being aggressive toward his grandkids because of its breed, but said he had actually never seen the dog act aggressively. The pellet gun Johnson used could not be retrieved. When he went to retrieve it from where he had stashed it, it had been removed, according to the complaint. Johnson scheduled to appear in court August 30th. If convicted, he faces up to two years in prison. Earlier in that story, did you say officers recognize the dog? That's correct. That's small town America for yeah. you. Yeah. The cops know who owns that dog. Yeah. The owners right away, yeah. as they saw. That sounds like Blue Earth. Minneapolis Parks and Rec Department, uh, Recreation Board, excuse me, will hold eight listening sessions this month in an effort to seek input from different communities as the search for a new superintendent continues. Former Superintendent Jane Miller resigned in February to join the Pittsburgh Parks Conservancy. Nationwide search led by local recruiting firm KPC Companies kicked off earlier this month. Listening sessions this month are designed to hear from specific community groups. Children's activities and light food and refreshments will be provided. The first session is at the Latinx Community Listening uh, Area, August 14th at the Powderhorn Recreation Area. I've got to get a job with the recruiting firm. Like like these people who get hired to help you search as mm-hmm. if you can't find someone to take your six figure job. Mm-hmm. I got to get on one of those firms. Mm. We have uh, we have desperate uh, career. Uh, what's the word? Career uh, op- career aspirations. That's oh, the word, Myron. Yeah, you want to yeah. do that? Yeah. I want to actually drive one of those giant lawnmowers where the decks fold down on oh, both sides. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm pretty. I'm thinking those guys might make twelve, thirteen dollars an hour. Yeah. That's all right for me. I just yeah. want to drive one of those big giant. <laughs> but I want it to be a big flat. I don't want to go like on the hill. When and- you drive from here to La Crosse, Wisconsin, down the river on the Wisconsin side, every small town. Without exaggeration, there's a minimum of two old guys with suspenders on John Deere lawn trucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> a lot of those guys have the John Deere mailbox, yep. too. And the John Deere hat. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, and you remember what, what? Remember when we talked about guys with large, big, long, oh, expansive yeah. yards? You know why, right? <laughs> they don't want to talk to the wife. <laughs> the wife is... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be out mowing. I'll be out yeah. mowing. I got to go mow. I'll, I'll, be out. I'll be out mowing. I'll be out all week. You handle it, honey. The Kremlin has named martial artist and actor Steven Seagal as a special envoy to the United States. Seagal's, 
Is this from his submarine work? <laughs> Seagulls was the cook. What? Unpaid and mostly ceremonial position will have him working with U.S. officials on humanitarian issues between the U.S. and Russia. What was he? Wasn't he a, a cop? No, he, was the, he was on the, the he was cook wrestler, on the submarine. Are they just now getting eighties movies over there or nineties movies? Like what? No, no, no. He really before he he was he had a police he had a role with some police department. If I'm not mistaken, Segal did. Yeah, he wasn't like a wrestler. No, Uh -uh. Uh -uh. I know nothing about his career. Segal's. I'm not surprised by that, Joe. Well, you're not missing anything. I didn't think I was, Myron. He says he's excited by the opportunity. He said, I'm deeply humbled and honored to have been appointed as special rep. He looks like the kind of guy that has a lot of back acne, doesn't he? Really had a, real, a lot of back hair. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the first time Russian President Vladimir Putin has considered Seagal for a quasi-diplomatic position. Back in 2015, the Kremlin considered naming the actor an honorary council of Russia in California and Arizona as a way to improve ties between the U.S. and Russia. Seagal has been a reserve police officer and deputy sheriff in several different jurisdictions uh, Louisiana, yeah, Arizona. That's a reserve cere- police officer. That's what? ceremonial. That's like that's like Shaq and my Miami. old man had Jesus. a badge at the Matamidi Police Department. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, reserve is different. Yeah, it's different. Ceremonial position for an actor. You're a they probably just had to give it to him position. so he would leave him alone. <laughs> Stop demanding a, a badge and a gun. He's a stud though. He's got had four wives and seven kids. Wow, that's <laughs> enough on this guy. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Seagal has remained a full... Must have been all that pent-up energy on the submarine when he was the cook. <laughs> what submarine? What? Are is this they, a movie, movie or something? Was in, about? Yes. A movie? All right. Well, Seagal has remained... Under siege. A, okay, yeah, that one. Horrible sure. Uh, he has remained a full-throated Putin defender even as revelations of Russian interference in the election surfaced. Uh, he told the UK's Good Morning Britain, for anyone to think that Vladimir Putin had anything to do with fixing the elections or even the Russians have that kind of technology is just plain stupid... Uh, he even says Putin's name with a Russian accent. I don't know how to do that. Any of you guys know how to do that? You say no. like Putin. 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 You say this. How you say you do not smile and do not move your lip. You say Putin. Putin. He also served in California, John, as a uh, as a police officer. Ceremonial, yeah. Okay, uh, thanks, he, Burger King. John, yeah. never again mention this fellow's Steven name. Steven Seagal. Who? Ever again. Ever. Ever. Killing LeBron. have an update i think we'll all be very happy about lay it on us that oregon man who was caught on video harassing a bison at yellowstone yes. was yep. arrested good over the weekend rangers were looking for raymond reinke of pendleton oregon they found him causing a disturbance at the historic many glacier hotel in the popular montana park according to the park service he is still in jail pending a hearing this week he's requested a court appointed the families attorney. left him in jail so this many dis- <laughs> this disturbance was above and beyond the what harassing the, of the there, buffalo there are actually as you will see in a moment several things he did this week uh, or last week the 55 year old reinke had been cited earlier for drunken and disorderly conduct in a third national park, Grand Teton, last Saturday, a week ago this past Saturday, was released at that point on $500 bond that required him to follow the law and avoid alcohol. Then Yellowstone Ranger cited him three days later for not wearing a seatbelt and noted he appeared intoxicated. They didn't know of Reinke's bond conditions at the time. He was then cited after another Yellowstone visitor took video of him walking up to a bison in a roadway congested with stop cars and waving his arms and hitting his chest. The animal charges him a couple times, but Reinke doesn't get hurt. Yellowstone officials do... He was too hammered to move. (laughs) 
<laughs> Yellowstone officials do warn visitors to stay at least 25 yards away from the bison. After the video gained attention online and Yellowstone Rangers learned of the charges in Grand Teton, an assistant U.S. attorney asked that his bond be revoked. A warrant then issued for his arrest. He had told Rangers he planned to travel to Glacier National Park. Rangers there were looking for his vehicle when they got a report about two guests arguing and creating a disturbance at the Mini Glacier Hotel. One of the guests was identified as Ryan Key. He was then sent back to Yellowstone and What a subset of of (laughs) drinking. Uh Guys who get drunk at national National parks parks. (laughs) and taunt bison. And taunt buffalo. (laughs) That video, it almost seemed like the bison was just kind of like... Just leave me alone, right? right yeah. Just don't, just don't yeah. bother me. Well, there was one point I want to have to kill you. He did look like he was going to charge at yeah. the guy, but he just yeah. kind of then just he moved moved to the side. Two elderly men escaped from a nursing home in Germany because they wanted to attend a heavy metal music festival last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> nursing home officials discovered the men were missing and alerted police, who eventually found the men at the Wacken Open Air. Did- do you escape from a nursing home or do you just leave? I, I mean, just, just you make leave, it sound yeah. like a yeah. stall log or something like <laughs> dug out. No, I, do think, yeah, though, I do think you sneak out. Yeah, yeah sneak out, yeah. yeah. The uh, men were at the Wacken Open Air, the world's largest heavy metal festival held every year since 1990 in Wacken, oh. Schleswig, Holstein. And it's that German metal, boy. That stuff, that'll send <laughs> you straight to hell, man. <laughs> Although police found the men disoriented and dazed, they didn't want to leave the concert. Uh, according to uh, German broadcaster Norddeutscher Rundfunk, spokeswoman Merle Nenfield said they obviously liked the festival. The care home quickly, though, organized return transport after police picked them up. The men reportedly took the taxi back to the nursing home along with the police. We are really hungry, but we are ready to get funky. I'm not going to name any names, but I had a relative who would uh, occasionally escape uh, his uh, place of living. When, the, and the, then see his scooter parked in front of Mancini. Was he, <laughs> is it your uh, younger brother, Paul? <laughs> you know, speaking of that, Rook, what was the story that you knew a guy once that would go visit his mother at the nursing home, right? Uh, well, no, it was at her place where she lived. Oh, that's what it was. And no, no, uh, at no. one time he tried to get in, and it was it was he was locked out. And then there was somebody that approached the sidewalk with him and said, "Oh, you're, you're my, he, the guy says my mom lives here." And he says, "Oh, what unit is she in?" And he says, she, "She's up there. She's up there somewhere. <laughs> One of those up there. <laughs> yeah. On the uh, well, second I think, floor, I think. Uh, fourth floor. Up right? there. <laughs> Would you give this to her? Do you know her? Can you drop this off? Tell this her. Tall. Tell her old Joe was <laughs> by. Here's Joe. her two packs of Virginia Swiss. Can you get them to her? <laughs> she really needs these. She really needs these. <laughs> Thank She's you. Up there. Thanks, hey, maybe I forgot the number. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what unit is she in? She's up there. You find her. You find her. Another story from Germany. 21-year-old Patrick Sinner leading a team of 20 people who were setting up more than 600,000 domino tiles in Nida, Germany. They wanted to set a Guinness record. Team spent two weeks of hard work setting up the mini dominoes. Let me guess, Patrick Royce <laughs> strolled through and <laughs> hijinks ensued. They were setting up the mini dominoes, which are about the size of a fingernail each. Then. 
a fly landed on one of them a and fly? set off the chain reaction oh. prematurely. Oh, no. <laughs> it knocked down all the dominoes. Of course, nobody was there to witness it uh, <laughs> from Guinness, so they can't get the record for it. Uh, now, I'm not sure what these mean, but the team were able to break other Guinness records. The uh, largest domino, domino wall, so I'm assuming just a yep. stack of dominoes, the largest spiral and the largest domino cube. And the most nerds all gathered in one spot at one time. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being the Guinness person who has to count all those dominoes? Oh, oh yeah. No. God. Really? A nail salon worker and a customer have been arrested and charged for their involvement in an intense nail salon fight that broke out in Brooklyn last week. What? The video of this is amazing. Really? There's video? There's video, yes. According to a criminal complaint provided by the Brooklyn DA's office, it happened about 9.35 Friday night at the New Red Apple Nails on Nostrand Avenue in East Flatbush. Witness Mercy Maduka, who posted the video on Facebook, said the fight was sparked by a bad eyebrow job. Oh, Uh-oh. yeah. She wrote, so I'm at the nail station and they bleeped up a lady's eyebrow and she refused to pay them and a fight broke out. I'd really love to see a picture of that. I, you know, it must be like a U-shape that's supposed to be L. Or... It's all over the internet. I just Googled uh, nail salon brawl. In the video, you can see an employee with a blue broomstick hitting a woman until she leaves the store. Other employees grab objects from around the store to seemingly defend themselves while a few other customers yell back and forth with them. According to the criminal complaint, nail salon worker, 32-year-old Highway Zhang, was charged with assault, menacing, harassment, and weapon possession for the incident. Customer Christina Thomas told police that Zhang repeatedly hit her in the back with that broom, causing her to suffer lacerations to the neck and pain to the back. Thomas was also arrested and charged with assault, menacing, and harassment. Nail salon worker Lee Lin claims that Thomas punched and slapped her in the face and dragged her on the floor, suffering lacerations to the face. And neck Women pain. are mean fighters, oh, boy. They, there's no rules in a girl fight. Especially in a Brooklyn nail salon. Uh-huh. People are just picking stuff up at that point. you got to find something dangerous to pick up. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up a fire extinguisher. <laughs> oh, oh, ow, ow. Oh, you're not going to see. You're going to spray it, right? I thought you were going to. Oh, no, I'm tossing. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, you're going to club me with it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the point. Yeah, I, I want to be able to protect myself. Oh, I'm grabbing a fire extinguisher in that situation. Ouch. <laughs> And New York Mets fans struggling with their team's lousy season now have somewhere to cope besides Sports Talk Radio. An online mental health marketplace is giving free confidential therapy sessions uh, to Mets fans who fill out a form asking for their most difficult moment as a fan. Problem is, Patrick Royce answers the phone. <laughs> New York-based UMA Health made the offer this week after Tuesday's 25-4 to loss to the Washington Nationals. There you go. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. What is your problem? All right, line one. What do you have? Rah, rah, she's Goomba. What do you got? Who's, what do you got for cleanup? What do you got? Uh, what I suggest you do is uh, run down to the Krabby Coffee Shop. Tell him you got to drop a deuce and he'd like cream in your coffee. See what happens. See if you live. Wow. Uh, the Mets uh, have the fifth worst record in Major League Baseball. See, that's why I think the Twin Cities is not an intense sports market. That will never happen here. We're not mad enough. No, We're not upset That will enough. never happen here. Yeah, people aren't fighting over sports. No. Philly, yes. Chicago, yes. New York, yes. Ooh. That's about it, yeah. in my estimation. Yeah. yeah. West Coast doesn't have any of that either. No, no. All right, just a moment.
Byron Metcalf is in for Patrick, and uh, we'll take you on the ride home. And what do you have in mind? We're going to talk uh, a lot about Randy Moss, his Hall of Fame speech, some twins, Vikings, a little bit of everything in the last couple hours. What do you get uh, for the NFL Hall of Fame? you get to keep the yellow coat? I think, he, you know what, Michael Irvin wore his to church the next day, apparently. Yeah. He was tweeting pictures of himself with his gold jacket. But there's not a clubhouse there where, like the Masters, so. where you hang your yellow coat, is no, there? No, I think you take them. I think that's your, your trophy. Yours. Yeah, it's yours. You don't get money for that either, do you? That's just... Uh, no, the bust and the coat. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the Ray Lewis bust. Doesn't look like him. Yeah. Looks Did like Randy look like Randy? Randy looked just like Randy. And he, he, he helped pick his out. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. It was a cool process. They showed that. Where's he making his off? Where's his home? He didn't go I, back to qu- Rand, Virginia. Well, he took the coat back West to West Virginia, Virginia the next yeah. day. He, he said, did. He said, he, he said, meet me at 430 in Rand, West Virginia. I'm going to show everybody the coat. Maybe that's like hauling the Stanley Cup around. You get to show the coat yeah. off. Bring it to the <laughs> Apparently neighborhood. Apparently he was doing it. That was his plan. 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's 82 degrees. Uh, no rain in the forecast, and the ride with Metcalf is coming up next.